welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who may or may not one day watch all of the Fast and the Furious movies, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, I I want to get around to it for you guys, for, for you and Ben. I, I think it's important. I know you guys really want me to watch them. And here's the thing. I know I like them. It's just a matter of finding the time to do it. Because it's a lot of watch time, but you got to watch the Marvel movies, and I know that's even more watch time, and it sounds very hypocritical me saying that. But And I know you'll do it one day. You're going to do it one day, right? I probably will. <laughs> I probably will. I do want to, because well, you guys, because you and Ben are both really in the Marvel movies, and then a lot of my other friends so are is also. Jayden. Yeah, so is yeah, Jaden, my yeah. friend Devin, Landon. They're all really into the Marvel movies as well. So like all of my best friends are into the Marvel movies. I am the right. only one that is not. We'll, we'll get you to watch them. I'll try to watch some of them with you. You gotta watch some of the Fast Furious with me at some point in time, then, because that'll be that. I gotta get them. I gotta knock them out some way or another. Yeah. Um, but t- today we are without Ben O'Brien. We're very sad. He'll hopefully be back next week. Um, but that is okay. We have uh, basically, you know, this is gonna be a, a little bit of a smaller episode. Uh, you know, we are in the summer, so there's not quite as much happening. Um, but we do have some good NBA analysts uh, to get to. But to start off, Trevor, we just had the U.S. Open. Um, and we had John Ram take that one home, and he kind of had a, lot, a couple, you know, interesting weeks here. Uh, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, John Rahm winning this U.S. Open, and he, he's, you know, I have other golfers I really enjoy, like Colin Morikawa. I was really pulling for, uh, and then he fell off. Uh, Jordan Spieth just been another golfer that I've followed ever since. I kind of really got into golf, which is uh, on that the one Masters where I believe he finished second and then came back and won the next season. Uh, the next Masters, but John Rahm, I mean, I thought that was probably the best story just as far as who the winner could have been because he's coming off of a tournament where he was disqualified because he had a positive test for uh, COVID-19, and he was in the lead. He was in the lead pretty big, um, I believe. I know, I know Ben knows a little bit more about that than I do, but the fact that he was in the lead probably had that other tournament won disqualified that was kind of heartbreaking and to come back from that in the best way possible and win the u.s open i mean Mm -hmm. it it was incredible and then he had the the nice putt that he made um and he and just the celebration you could see on his face how happy he was the uh to win the u.s open and i don't know if he knew at that point because i think louis still had to finish um his last couple holes but it, it was just awesome to see. I mean, it, it kind of makes me think about, uh, you know, the Tiger celebration, like the, the little, like, underhand fist pump. Like, you could just tell he was so excited. And um, I, I was very happy to see John Rahm uh, take this one. Yeah, and no, I, 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 it seems like just, like, an absolutely crazy couple weeks. Um, but John Rahm, I mean, is already great. But he's only 26, and he has this great career ahead of him. Um, and he's obviously one of the best golfers in the world at the moment. Um, so, you know, of course, congrats to John Rahm finished minus six, I think, in total. You know, he really, you know, his round four was really, really great. He had minus four on his final round. So it really took him in, you know, propelled him into first place and to win. Um, anything else you want to mention about golf, John Rahm, anything like that, um, really, before we head into the NBA? Um, I, I mean, I think that's about it. I'm looking forward to some of the other major tournaments. That's really when I get into golf the most. Um, but yeah, you know, U.S. Open, it was pretty good, you know, seeing some of these other guys. There was at one point where we had like all of the major, uh, a lot of the major figures like Brooks Kepka was at the top, Colin Markala, one of my favorites was at the top, Rom. I think, uh, Rory was kind of like lurking. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a good U.S. Open, I thought. 
Yeah, and I, we you know Bryson DeChambeau, he fell apart a little bit um, at the end there yeah. with his putting. Uh, he like four putt or something at the end, something crazy. Not what you want to do on the golf course at all. Trevor, are you accustomed to four putting, you know? Uh, very accustomed to four putting. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was good to see Bryson DeChambeau hit some of those shots. I was like, oh, yeah, I can relate. Because usually golf is arguably one of the most unrelatable sports to me just because I am so bad and all of these guys are so good. So to see mm-hmm. Bryson DeChambeau uh, really just stink it up, I, I was kind of enjoying that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm with you a, a little bit. It's always interesting to see these guys come down, you know, back to earth, and you know, we see that they're actually human. Um, but let's move on to the the NBA. I know you want to quickly wrap up the the Seventy Sixers, uh, or excuse me, the the Nets Bucks series. Um, so let's let's start there. What did you think about this series? Yeah, so, you know, we previewed the Game 7 on our last podcast. I thought the Nets would find a way to get it done. Um, I believe you disagreed, and you were right. I did. And you were right in disagreeing. You had the Bucks, And on paper, it made sense to pick the Bucks. I still just kind of, I was like, you know, and I feel like Kevin Durant's going to find a way. It's, it's just somehow they're going to get it done. They did not. However, they were very close. This game went to overtime. Um, Kevin Durant had a shot that could have won it. If his shoe size was a little bit smaller, he added the tip of his toes on the three-point line when he hit the shot to tie it uh, to force overtime. And then in overtime, uh, that's when the Nets went completely cold. I think they only made one shot in overtime. Uh, pretty tough for them. And the Bucks pull it out. You know, the Bucks. It's weird, you know, coming out of this series, I feel like I, I felt a little worse about the Bucks than I did coming into the series, even though they won, just because of all the Nets injuries, you know, having Kyrie out for almost the whole series, having James Harden, you know, pretty much, what, 55, 60%, um, and Kevin Durant just having to do pretty much everything. I mean, Jeff Green had the one standout game. Uh, you got a little bit from Harden here and there. Blake Griffin, you know, was bringing the energy. But overall, this was kind of like Kevin Durant trying to, you know, do like a one-man show a la uh, LeBron James in 2018. It was kind of that type of thing. And he couldn't quite pull it off um, against Giannis and the Bucks. You got to give some credit to Giannis, you know, with the flaws, which, you know, we talk about like the free throw shooting with Giannis where he's shooting below 40%. You know, the limited post moves that he seems to have. But he still is such this dominant force. When he's coming at you down the lane to the basket, you know, (laughs) you just want to get out of the way. Because he's so um, just athletic and he could take a couple dribbles and be at the rim so quickly. Uh, His rebounding, his defense is just incredible. And uh, it was a really good series, even though we didn't get to see both teams at 100%. I enjoyed it. And I thought it was really just a historical series for Kevin Durant, something he can add to his legacy. And, you know, maybe Kevin Durant, he might be top 10 all time now. I don't know. I remember when we did our rankings, I had him number 11 uh, last April. He might be top 10 now. I'd, I'd have to really sit down and uh, dive deep into that. But he's, he's definitely uh, in contention for top 10 all time. Yeah, I mean, he really had to put the whole team on his back. And I... I... I feel like I've been relatively right about the the whole playoffs um, and the fact I, I thought that the team that was going to win it all is going to be the healthiest. This year's been such a weird year uh, in the NBA, and there's been so many injuries. They didn't have enough time before the season, which was the NBA's fault. Uh, but here we are with the Nets. It's pretty much just Kevin Durant out there. It's, it's kind of amazing it went as far as it did. I mean, it shows mm-hmm. how fabulous of a player Kevin Durant is. 
And uh, one of my buddies yesterday, we were talking, and I, I actually agree with this. Kevin Durant might be the most talented player in the NBA currently. I mean, he can defend essentially all five positions. He's seven feet tall. Um, he's a 40-50-90 shooter. He can shoot from anywhere. I mean, he, he's, he's arguably the most talented. Is he the best? I wouldn't know. don't know if I would say that. I think you would, Trevor. But I he's would. definitely the most talented uh, without a doubt, in my opinion. And, you know, this came down to the fact that the Bucks were healthy and the Nets weren't. If the Nets are healthy, mm-hmm. this game doesn't come close to seven, or this series doesn't come close to seven games. But, you know, here here we are. Here we are. Yeah, and, um, I, and I was just going to add to that, because we talked about this before the show. I think the Nets uh, definitely would have been the finals. I think if every team was fully healthy, it would have been Nets and Lakers, and that's what I predicted pre-playoffs. I mean, it was just kind of like a safest bet, Nets-Lakers, but obviously they were both hurt, which is why there aren't. But I still believe if fully healthy, it would have been those two. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that we're not going to get that see that series now because it would have been incredible television and incredible finals. Um, but, you know, we, we still got some other uh, interesting series. So, you know, another one we have to talk about just quickly again is the Sixers-Hawks. Obviously, that is now over. The Hawks won it uh, in Game 7. And for the Sixers, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know where they go from here. It's It's going to be very difficult, clearly. The Ben Simmons thing and him just refusing to shoot, just completely um, not taking a shot. I think he only had five shots in this entire game. Um, let me let me see the box score. He had four, actually, even less than five. He had four shots in the entire game, only five points. And that's just, um, you just can't have that. He's playing 36 minutes in the game. He's supposed to be one of your top three guys on your team that you're counting on. And he's taking four shots in the entire game. Uh, there's just no good explanation for it. He needs to shoot more. You know, it's it's really that simple. I know uh, we got like some stuff from his uh, high school coach Kevin Boyle um, talking about you know basically kind of saying that like Ben Simmons probably should just shoot more. You know, even if he's shooting um, you know I don't know thirty percent, thirty two percent, something like that. It's better than him not shooting at all because. You know, when you have Ben Simmons on the court who's refusing to shoot, it's almost like you're playing four on five on offense because the defense can anticipate, oh, he's never shooting. We can just stand back from him, you know, six to eight feet, and we'll just look at uh, his teammates because he's looking to pass it constantly. It's kind of similar to what occasionally teams will do with Westbrook. Um, But I think what Westbrook does is better than Ben Simmons because at least he's willing to shoot, and occasionally he'll knock down threes not all that often but he at least does it so i i mean i think ben simmons should be shooting more obviously that's going to be his main focus in the offseason but with philly i mean at this stage i think they probably have to look at some trade possibilities um will they get a one will they get an opera will they get a trade that's good enough to trade him um i don't know i think there are certainly um some possibilities that i see obviously one that's been talked about is the the trade for like C.J. McCollum and maybe like a Robert Covington potentially have Ben Simmons go to Portland um, because Portland's kind of lacking defense and then Philly is kind of lacking another creator slash scorer so maybe C.J. McCollum could provide that maybe Simmons could provide you know some defense and playmaking that could help out Dame so that's one option um, as far as just best fits for Ben Simmons I don't know if it would make sense for the Warriors but I think. If Ben Simmons went to the Warriors, I think that could be a situation where he really thrives. Um, Just looking at what Draymond has done with the Warriors and how he's this very good defensive player and facilitator, I think that's 
uh, a role that Ben Simmons could thrive in. I don't know if him and Draymond could play on the same team, but him with Stephen Clay seems very um, optimal for everyone involved on that team. So just some of my thoughts on the Ben Simmons trade. But uh, also, I don't think it should be forgotten that the Hawks have been very impressive, and Trey Young, again, just continues to ascend. Um, I did a quick little rankings on Twitter. I put Trey Young 16th of all NBA players, so I think, and, and maybe he's even higher after you know watching the first two games of this Buck series. But what about you, Brandon? What, what are some of your thoughts on Philly and where they go from here? You know, it, it's kind of interesting because they actually do have a good amount of star-type players, you know, Simmons, Harris, and Bede. Um, so it's 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 kind of tough to say. I think Simmons definitely needs a change of scenery. I don't think he's going to be helpful to the Sixers, and I think it'll be helpful for him um, to, to move. There's definitely going to be a market for him. If he could just get in the right mindset about shooting, uh, he could be, I mean, such a fabulous player. We've seen him be a fabulous player. I mean, this isn't the level of play he should be at. Uh, Trey Young has been fabulous. I, you know, it, it's it's gonna be interesting to see. You know, I think the future is so bright for guys like him and like Luca. And I know this is like super off off you know track here, but that trade in the draft. Would you say that was like one of the fairest trades ever? The Luca and and Trey Young trade. Yeah, this has been a this has been a big talking point lately about like this whole this Trey Young Luca trade that's really come back again. Um. I still think that's. I mean, I still think that the, the Mavericks clearly got the better side of the trade because to me, Luca's an all-time guy. Like, I think Luca, it's it's very early, but I think he's going to be top twenty, top fifteen all time. I mean, that's how great I think Luca's going to be. His first three years are on pace with LeBron's first three years, if not better. I think he's that amazing. So it's it's for me. I still look at it as an uneven trade because I think Luca's that great, but you know, at least you can look at it for Atlanta and be like, hey, it's not a bad trade anymore. You know, it's it's at least like we have Trey Young, we've put around um, some really good pieces that fit well with him, and they're having success, and they have a shot at the title this year, which is pretty crazy. So you look at this upcoming series, Bucks and Hawks, what, what would be your prediction, Trevor? So the Bucks Hawks currently they're tied at one one. Uh, the Hawks did manage to get that game one, which was a fabulous game. Uh, the Bucks came out in game two, completely destroyed them, made a lot of adjustments. Brooke Lopez was much better, um, and obviously Giannis is really good. Drew Holiday playing very well, um, and and I think I don't think the Hawks are completely done. I mean it's tied right, so and they're going back to Atlanta. Obviously they have a chance. Um, I'm gonna stick with what my prediction would have been at the beginning anyway, and that's Bucks and Six. I just think that at the end of the day, they are not, um, as far as offensively, they don't lack in that department in the way Philly did. And I think with Giannis, with uh, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, um, even if one or two of them are having a bad game, at least one of the three will have a really good game, and that's enough for the Bucks to take the series. I think the offense will overwhelm at the end of the day. Um you know, and I, so I got Bucks in six. I think Atlanta defensively has issues in a similar way that like Portland does. Maybe not as bad as Portland because they still do have Collins and uh, Capella kind of anchoring the front court. But I think the Bucks' offense is kind of what's going to be uh, the reason that they win the series. I, I just think that those three guys in particular are going to be too much for the Hawks' defense. Yeah, I for the same reasons I I think it'll be it'll be six games too. Um, I I just think 
and like you said, just the Hawks cannot play defensively with the Bucks. This is not really a good matchup. Uh, the size, like Giannis's size, is going to be too much. I mean, even in uh, the game two, uh, I watched a little bit of, and I mean, you can see how dominant. There was like four or five straight possessions where they just like kind of threw it up to Giannis, like right down, uh, you know, a foot away from the hoop, and it's just it's it's to a point where I, I think defensively Atlanta's is not going to be able to keep up. However, I do think this is like a very high season for them. Like like they they should not be like dipping their heads at all. I mean, I don't think anyone expected Atlanta to go this far at all. I mean, would you have even expected Atlanta in the playoffs at the beginning of the year, Trevor? Um, yeah, I would have expected them in the playoffs, but I thought they were a first-round exit. You know, I was thinking, like, mm-hmm. like seven or eight seed, something like that, and they would be out in the first round. Yeah, and obviously Trey Young is, you know, this amazing young star. Um, but we'll have to see where this series goes. Um, last series here, Suns-Clippers. Um, a- anything you want to mention about this series? Um, it's, what is it, 3-1 now. The Suns seem to have a nice little advantage of Kawhi out. Um, so what are your thoughts here, Trevor? Yeah, so... You know, this is a really interesting series um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, it's really unfortunate that Kawhi's not here, obviously. If Kawhi was here, this would be an incredible series. I think there's a really good chance it would go seven games if Kawhi was here. However, he's not here, and I don't really anticipate him coming back at all. I think reports have already been that he's unlikely uh, to come back for Game 5. And, you know, the Suns are up 3-1. Um, if I'm betting on who's going to win Game 5, I would probably bet on Phoenix and... Uh, for them to end it in five games. And it's it's unfortunate. We could have had a very good series. But I still think we've had some really good games in this series so far, despite the fact that the Suns have won three of the four of them. Um, we saw in Game 2, in particular, uh, the eight-in-game winner off of the incredible pass from Jay Crowder, which, you know, Aiton just dunks in uh, pretty easily there at the buzzer. That was incredible. Um, you know, you could easily look up and say if the Clippers get that game, which they should have based on how it ended, um, there's no way Aiton should have been able to have a free shot at the rim like that. Um, that otherwise, maybe the Clippers would still be in it because it, it would be 2-2 if they had that, that win. But I, I, think, I think the main thing that I want to take away is how good DeAndre Aiton has been. He's I mean. Great. I was asking myself the question during, I think it was game four or, or game three, where, like, is DeAndre Ayton actually better than Rudy Gobert? Because we just watched um, how the Clippers took advantage of Rudy Gobert in game five and game six, even without Kawhi Leonard, where they're just getting all these wide-open corner threes. Terrence Mann has this incredible 39-point game. You have Patrick Beverly getting all these open threes. He made a couple of them. Um, and just constantly, because Rudy Gobert is not making these switches, he wants to stay down in the paint. Aiton's a little bit different than that. You know, he's a little more um, versatile on defense, even though he's clearly not the rim protector Rudy Gobert is. I, I don't want to be too hard on Rudy Gobert because he is the best rim protector in the league. Um, and based on the way he plays in the regular season with, you know, night to night, um, it, it can be very effective. But Rudy Gobert is a very, very flawed playoff player. And Aiton, with the versatile versatility he's shown on defense as well as mm-hmm. uh, his offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, and then his touch around the rim, which is really incredible. I mean, Aiton, you know, you'll see some bigs occasionally where they'll do like these turnaround hooks and, uh, you know, these little bank layups, and occasionally they will miss some. It's not always a given. With Aiton, it seems like a given that he's going to make everything when he's around the rim with his touch. He just knows exactly how to place it. And that's shown with his efficiency. I think he's shooting like 75% or something in the playoffs, 
which is just mm-hmm. incredible. So I wanted to point that out. Um, the only thing here with the Suns, and, and they're, they're going to win the series regardless, but looking ahead to the finals where I think they likely face Milwaukee, it's going to be interesting to keep track of Devin Booker's health, obviously the broken nose. He took his mask off in game four. It seems like he was just like, nah, I'm not doing this. I think after he missed a layup, he was just like, I'm, I'm done with this thing. So that'll be interesting to see. And then Chris Paul coming out from the protocol, um, you know, off of the amazing series against Denver. He hasn't been as good. And these most recent two games, very inefficient. So it's going to be interesting to see how Chris Paul kind of performs in the next however many games it takes for them to finish the series. And Devin Booker as well, because that's going to be very important in the finals against a, a really good Milwaukee team. Yeah. So do you think they close it out tomorrow? I do. I do. I think they do close it out tomorrow. Um, Yes, I think they do close it out at home. I think the fans, which have been incredible. I mean, people who are in Phoenix have talked about how insane uh, the fans have been. It's just been a great sight to see. I think they close it out. I think the role players give them enough. And, I mean, I I do expect Devin Booker to be better. So, yeah, I I think the Suns will win it. You know, it's really just going to be... I mean, the Clippers, all they have now is you're depending on Paul George to have, like, an amazing game. And if he doesn't have an amazing game, then you need one of these other guys to have, like, just this insane heat check. Like, you need—you're counting on, like, a Terrence Mann 30-point game, or you need Marcus Morris to hit, like, six or seven threes. And I just don't think that's all that reliable. So I think the Suns are going to close that out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this series plays. Honestly, the whole playoffs, I'm very interested to see who wins. And I still will take my, you know, I'll stay, stand by my takes for whoever's healthiest. If we got two healthy teams in the playoffs, you know, we'll, we'll see who it is. I, I think the Suns have a solid chance of winning. I, I, I really think the Suns are very, very good. You know, so, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, so do you agree then? You think it's going to be Bucks and Suns? Yes, yeah, I think it'll be Bucks and Suns. And I see, I, I feel like the Suns will win in seven. You think the Suns will win? So I, I think I would agree with that as of now. But like you said, like healthiest team wins it. And, you know, it could come back to me originally saying, oh, the winner of the Bucks and Nets will win it. So I could see the Bucks winning it or the Suns, but I'm, I'm sticking with the Suns as of now just because, just because of how I, I think how well Devin Booker has played with Chris Paul. And I mm-hmm. think that just – the amount of depth that they had have is enough to beat Milwaukee. You know, Milwaukee losing DiVincenzo, um, relying on guys like Bryn Forbes, who another heat check guy in Bryn, Bryn Forbes, who doesn't play great defense. Um, I think Phoenix is more reliable with um, their depth against a Milwaukee team who's very reliant on their three stars. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting series. I, I, I hope the Suns win. I said that uh, after they mm-hmm. beat the Lakers. You know, if, they, if someone beats the Lakers, I'm going to be rooting for them. I uh, just want to see the win. But, you know, I think that kind of wraps up our episode. This was definitely a shorter one, just a little NBA update. Hopefully Ben will be back next week. We'll get our randomly ranked in. We'll get our small talk trivia. That'll all be very, very fun. With that being said, thank you all so much for listening. Of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it. All of that helps us out a ton. Follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller or click the link in the description. Um, that's so you know when all of our podcast episodes go live. Big Brother will be starting up soon, which I know we are all very excited to to talk through draft teams. Trevor, I mean, how many days do we have? It's like two weeks or something, right? Yeah, I mean, July 7th. Today is June 27th, so we have like 10 days, something like mm-hmm. that. The cast should be released, I, I would think, this week. That's when it normally yeah, it's is. It's got to be like this week. But we'll see. Um, so, you know, possibly we'll, we'll record Five Seconds of Fame this week potentially you know with the draft yeah we'll, we'll have to see we'll have to talk about that for sure 
we'll have to see, you know, um, but we'll, we'll get something cooking and it'll be really, really fun. Um, but like, like I said, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.